All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Garanga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada and Mahoma Shukadaya. Krishna Prasaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Nityanamani. Namaste Saraswati Deva Gauravani Pachanani. Namaste Sisimabhadi Paskachadri Satana. Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Talapadakamalam Sri Guru and Vaishnavamscha. Shri Rupam Sarvajatam Sagana Ravinatam Vitam Sam Sajiva Sadvoitam Sadhutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Ramamita Shri Rishapam Vidamscha Anchakapachimscha Dikustin Devita Patitanam Pavanavya Vaishnavya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya October 16, 2021, Hillsborough, North Carolina. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 28, Text 1. We don't have the... This is not hooked up, I guess? It doesn't work. Doesn't work. That's because of the constructions? Yeah. Okay. Right, well, if anybody wants to follow, if you have a phone or whatever. Shri Bhadaraya Narvacha Ekadasyam Nirahara Samabhyacharya Jar Samabhyacharya Janardana Snatunandas to Kalindyam, Dwadasyam Jagama Vishat, Sri Badaraina Uvacha. Sri Badaraini Sukadev Goswami said, Ekadasyam, on Ekadasi, the eleventh day of the lunar month. Niraharaha, fasting, samabhyacharya, having worshipped, Janardhanam, Lord Janardhana, the Supreme Personality of God, snatum, in order to bathe, before breaking the fast of his prescribed completion. Nandana, Nanda Maharaj, two, but Kalindyam, in the river Yamuna, Dwadasyam, on the twelfth day, Jalam, the water, Avishat, enter, BBT translation. Sri Bhadarayani said, Having worshipped Lord Janardana and fasted on the Ekadasi day, Nanda Maharaja entered the water of the Kalindi on the Dwadasi to take his bath. There's no big tea report. We need Sanatana Goswami's Tika. Jiga uh, has the same, just Sanatana has a little bit more. So just going to need Sanatana Goswami's 
having described an astonishing incident out of zeal. What was the astonishing incident Sukadeva Goswami just finished describing? Govardhan. Sukadeva begins another story to relate the offense of Varuna similar to Indra's, showing his bad behavior due to pride in his power. This story continues to verse 9. Kadasi, either short or long, had passed. Dwadasi, the day for breaking the fast, had almost passed, with only six hours remaining on that present day. Nanda did special worship on waking up according to the rules as the best of devotees. Janardana means he was offered prayers, Ardana, by the devotees, Jana, constantly with fervor. Though Nanda was completely accomplished already, he worshipped the Lord thoroughly because of his fasting. To bathe, he entered the water of the Jamuna, which increases bhakti to the Lord. Nanda went alone, too, while others bathed in their houses. This shows his eagerness to bathe in the Yamuna. That's a big deal, you know, to leave your house and go to a river to take a bath. Or Indra had left Krishna and returned to Swarga, but too... Nanda did not give up Krishna, having Krishna as his son. So here we see some hermeneutics where Sanatana Goswami is giving two different understandings of a small word, two meaning but, that it could mean everybody else bathed at home, but Nanda went to the Juna. It could also mean Indra finished his prayers and left, but Nanda Maharaj never leaves Krishna. Going on, he never gave up Bhagavad Dharma, or, here's another third understanding of two, or two indicates that he bathed for bhakti rather than cleanliness, in keeping with the previous statement that he worshipped the Lord. Sri Padraya Uvacha Eka Dasyam Nirahara Sama Yacharya Jinardana Snatunandas Tukalindyam Dwa Dasyam Jaram Abhishat. Sri Padraya said, Having worshipped Lord Janardana and fasted on the Akadasi day, Nanda Maharaj entered the water of the Kalindi on the Dwadasi to take his bath. So there are different motivations for worshipping the Lord. And sometimes those different motivations are obvious in the person's external behavior, and sometimes they're not. We're going to look at three motivations. Motivations is very important because like Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, where you worship is where you go, right? You worship the forefathers, you go to the forefathers. You worship the ghosts and spirits, you go there. He says, you worship me, you go to me. But... I think there's cups in the pajama. Sorry, you have fumes. So it's not just what one is doing, though, externally. It's also one's mood. We see this in the story of Rambas Vilas in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So Rambas Vilas, he traveled with Raghunath Bhatta Goswami to see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri. While traveling with uh, Raghunath Bhatta, 
he carried Raghunath Bhatta's bags and he was always chanting Ram, Ram, Hari, Ram, Ram. He was always chanting the holy name of Ram. But his motive was he wanted to merge with Ram. He wanted to become Ram. And so when he came to Jagannath Puri, Mahaprabhu didn't pay any attention to him. He ignored him. I mean, it's kind of astonishing. Oh, thank you so much. It's kind of astonishing because not only was he constantly chanting the holy name, but he was also serving a Mahabhagavad devotee. So he was doing personal service for a Mahabhagavad devotee. He was chanting the holy name. He saw Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But he didn't get bhakti. I mean, I'm just right now studying about sattvakabhavs, and some of the sattvakabhavs are the involuntary actions that happen uh, when one's heart is moved by love in some emotion, and that mixes with the life air and different elements of the body, and then shows up as uh, being stunned or crying or changing color or things like this, hair standing. And Rupa Goswami says that there are uh, things that look like manifestations of ecstasy, but the heart is not actually being moved by ecstasy. That the sattvakabhavs, like we were chanting every day, the prayers in the Guru Vastika, we were talking about Asru tears and Brahmancha, the hair standing on end of the spiritual master. So Rupa Goswami says that these symptoms can be there uh, without the heart being moved. Sattvaka bhav means uh, coming from sattva. This is not sattva bhum. This is not the, you know, I'm a spiritual person kind of thing. It is the touching of the heart with, with a particle of love, with rati, that moves the relationship in the heart with Krishna, touches the prana in the earth, water, fire, air, or ether, and then manifests in the body. But sometimes these manifestations can come from other places. And one of them is a, an abbas, a, a reflection or a shadow that comes from people who they're connecting with Krishna, but their desire is for something material or their desire is for liberation. In other words, it's coming from above abbas, which is explained also in Nectar Devotion. That people can have this this semblance of reflection or shadow, a reflection usually for those who want liberation and the shadow for those who want material enjoyment, of ecstasy that then manifests even in their body. They can feel some shadow of ecstasy, even start crying and changing color and, and fainting and so many things. Arupa Goswami says this can particularly happen in a festival, a Harinam festival. And it can change Ultimately, it can change to the real thing. The shadow can become the real thing by the association of devotees. But the point is that one can ostensibly engage in the processes of devotion, but have very different mentalities, and that's not necessarily evident in the externals. You can't necessarily just look at somebody and say, well, what's their motivation? I mean, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could understand he's God. Just immediately look at Ramdas Vilas and understand what is his motive. Uh, but here we're seeing Nandamaraj, who's ostensibly, externally, going through the motions of Vaidhi, 
He's following the vidis. Of course, he didn't quite get it right. But he was, he was trying to. And he was trying to get it right. Well, I'm going to follow a Kadashi and I'm going to break it at a certain time. You know, like we have on our calendar, break the fast between this time and that time. And sometimes it's in the middle of the morning program and somebody runs around with little bits of oats or rice or something to give everyone. Yeah? In the early days of this time, we didn't do that. We just like, <laughs> we just broke at breakfast, whatever it was. We weren't really paying attention to those things. But we find that there's this attention given here by Nandamaraj. Abu else was very careful about what time he broke his fast. And it came also into all kinds of trouble. King Ambarish, that he was waiting a minute. I have to break my fast right now, even though I have a guest who's bathing. You know, and that was in a, a culture where if a guest comes to your house, you don't even drink water unless they're also drinking water. You don't drink water in front of your guests. You don't eat in front of your guests without also uh, giving them. And uh, Maharaj Ambarish was also not on this, this platform. Uh, he was on a higher platform. He was in Dasibab, according to Yudhavosmum. But still, ostensibly, they're following these rules very carefully. And then there are those who follow the rules very carefully because they're attached to the rules. Uh, they want to please Krishna, they want to come to love with Krishna, but they're very attached to the rules. And then there are those like Indra, like Varuna, who we're about to hear about in this past time, who are following the rules because they want something from Krishna. They're not following the rules to love Krishna, they're following the rules with a mercantile mentality, uh, therefore they're called Sakham devotees. So let's look first at, at Nandamaraj. Usually in my classes I start from the bottom and go up, but today I'm going to start from the top and go down. Uh, so Nandamaraj bathed in the Yamuna, Sanatana Goswami says, because of love for Krishna and love for the Yamuna. Oh, the Yamuna is something that will increase my bhakti. This one of the, some of the principles of surrender is to accept what's favorable and to reject what's unfavorable. I mean, sometimes you can't. Like if your father is surrendering Kashipu and sending you to a demon school. You know, there's, there's not really anything you can do about it. You can't just like go to a Vaishnava Gurukul instead. Because your father is running the universe. So, you know, the wives of the Brahmanas, even Krishna said to them, go back and stay with your husbands, even though they're materialistic. But in general, one should accept what's favorable as much as it is within one's power and reject what's unfavorable. So what's favorable is what stimulates our devotional service. What stimulates our devotional service. And you know, Rupa Goswami gives whole lists of these things. And of course, because we're individuals, uh, some things may bring out our bhakti more than other things. Like I know some devotees who love going, who were talking about going to the Yamuna, who love going to pilgrimage sites with thousands of devotees. I have friends who like to go on these pilgrimages with no kidding, no hyperbole, eight, ten thousand devotees. You know, I once went on a pilgrimage with like 200 devotees and I said, never again. Give me five. Or two. <laughs> or let it go by myself. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that again. 
But to somebody else, that is very inspiring to them. So there's also some difference what inspires some people, what inspires other people. We're all individuals. But here Nandamars is going to bathe in the Yamuna, not because it's the rule, not because at this time you're supposed to bathe in the Yamuna. It says this. You have in the book. Okay, let's open up the book. And this page it says, bathe in the Yamuna. Okay, that's, what, that's not why he's doing it. It's not what he's doing. He's doing it because he knows that going in the Yamuna is going to be more impetus for his love for Krishna. And it will please Krishna. He knows it will make Krishna smile. Srila Prabhupada says right, the only root of the resonance of Vrindavan is just to make Krishna smile. That's their interest. That's the whole reason he's following Ekadasi. Ekadasi is also a stimulus. Ekadasi is a stimulus for love of God. Yeah, we have that wonderful song by all these festival days. As I was just mentioning, even people who are materialists or after liberation can experience some shadow or reflection of ecstasy at a festival. I thought that was really interesting. Rupa says in a festival they can experience it. And Akata sees it a festival. I mean, it's not a jumping up and down and throwing flowers kind of festival. So Maharaj is observing Akadasi, he's bathing in the Yamuna, he's trying to break his fast sometime to make Krishna smile and to increase his love for Krishna. I mean, you can think of even a father in this world wants to do things to make his children smile, isn't it? Those of you who are fathers, or if you had good fathers, I was blessed with a good father. You know, the father, he wants to come home on time. So his wife and children will be happy to see him. Isn't it? Okay. He's thinking, I have, I have to get home on time from work. I don't want to be late. I know one family where uh, the husband was raised in a home where nobody ever ate at any particular time and nobody ate together. They just, there was food in the kitchen and you just kind of went in and took food whenever. They didn't have like family meals at certain times. And when he got married, it was really hard for him to come to dinner on time. You know, his wife would say, dinner's ready, please come, I'll be there, I'll be there. You know, like 45 minutes later he'd show up and everything's cold and she's fried. And he gradually came to understand that if I come to dinner on time, my wife is happy. And my children are happy. I mean, going in reverse, when, when Mother Yasoda is trying to bring Krishna back from playing with his friends, she says, my dear Krishna, you have to come home. It's time to eat and... What does she say? Nanda won't eat unless you come. Which is interesting. You know, in, in that kind of a society... There was a, this real sense of etiquette for the juniors to the seniors. But Nanamars won't eat unless you come. You have to come. So then Krishna would start to come. Of course, then his friends would say, if you go home, we won't play with you tomorrow. <laughs> and then he would go back and Yusoda would bring him again. What are you, a street boy? But Krishna's coming home on time to please Nanda, and Nanda wants to follow these things on time. 
to please Krishna, not to follow a rule. And therefore it says Bhagavad Dharma. He's always following Bhagavad Dharma. Not in terms of being a pious person in the world, but in terms of the real dharma. Savai Pum Sampuro Dharma, Tobhaktira, Tokshaje, Hotiki, Apriti, Italia, Dhatma, Suprasikriti. The ultimate dharma is to make Krishna smile. Sometimes that involves violating mundane dharma, like the gopis who leave their husbands and run in the middle of the night to see Krishna. And again, in 2021 in America, that doesn't sound like a big deal to most of us. It's like, whatever. <laughs> she ran off from her, ran away from her husband to go to see her boyfriend in the middle of the night, so what else is new? You know, just. But in that society, it was, a, it was a really big deal. Or, you know, you just hear lying about whether or not Ashwatthama had been killed. Or Arjuna shooting at Karna while he's fixing his chariot wheel. So sometimes there's, or Kathara Pandi giving up his vow of Shaitra Sanyas to follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So sometimes, even one gives up ordinary dharma. It's interesting because Dharmanutu Shakshad Bhagavad Paritam, all this ordinary dharma comes from Krishna. You know? But sometimes Krishna wants something else. Maybe sometimes instead of coming home for dinner on time, your wife wants you to stop at the store and get some milk and be late. So one is not following dharma to follow dharma, one's following dharma to make Krishna smile. Then the next category of those who are uh, inviting bhakti, they know that the goal is to want to make Krishna smile. Therefore, they're called pure devotees. Like Punjabi Hari when I were talking about this the other day. You know, if someone's, they still have material desires, they're still motivated by selfishness, but they're in the beginning stages of bhakti, can they still be called pure devotees? If their aim is pure devotional service, yes. Like a, a little tiny mango, right? Like Padma's having a garden and she was showing me the little tiny zucchinis, right? You can see it at the bottom of the, of the female flower, the little tiny bulb starts growing. Oh, look, there's a zucchini! There's a melon. I mean, if you went to eat it, it would be like, <laughs> But you can say it's a zucchini. So somebody who's taking up uttam bhakti, you can say, but I'm not going But they're aiming for that. They're saying, I want to become free of material desires. Yes, I still desire liberation. Yes, I still desire, you know, whatever, money in the bank, a beautiful romantic partner, and whatever people desire, nice pair of shoes. Yes, I still have all those desires for my own comfort and my own enjoyment. But I want to just love Krishna and I'm following the rules for that purpose. And those people who are very particular about following the rules, there's a little mechanistic mood there. And you'll see that sometimes people end up arguing over the minutia of the rules. Have you ever run into this? I mean, I have one godmother who really gets into this kind of thing. The absolute minutia. Like, exactly how do you follow this rule? And exactly how do you follow this rule? 
what is your Prabhupada do in this circumstance? And sometimes that's difficult because Prabhupada did five different things in similar circumstances. That was what we ran into when we did the paper, which is very similar to what we're talking about here, on fasting on Ram Navami. Whenever Prabhupada would write a letter about fasting on Ram Navami, he would say, fast until the evening. And whenever he was physically in a place on the day of Ram Navami, he would tell the devotees to have a regular grain feast in the middle of the day. And so when we had this research on it, you know, we had some people say, well, what's, why do you have to research it? Just follow Prabhupada's instructions, like which instructions? The instructions he gave when? Under what circumstances? What are we going to prioritize? And so those who are absorbed in the rules for the sake of the rules, they get very bewildered by these things. And sometimes they'll argue so much about following the rules that they forget about why they're following the rules. Like Prabhupada talked about the different people massaging the father, the different sons massaging the father. Massaging this way, no this way, no this way. And pretty soon they're beating each other up and beating up their father in the name of massaging. You know, they, they lose the, the point. I, I like to give the example that... Uh, when I visit each of my sons, they each have a dishwasher. And they each have different rules for the dishwasher. Like my oldest son, you can't put in the measuring cup that has painted measurements on it because the paint will come off. And with my youngest son, he says, oh, put it in. You know, my oldest son, we can't put wooden utensils in the dishwasher. My youngest son says, if we're meant to have it, it'll come out okay. And I've got to remember, you know, which son's house I'm at and which rules that I'm following. But if I started arguing and say, well, your brother does it that way, that's the right way, you know. The mood is to please the person. It's not a question of what's right. Uh, the mood is to please the person. I don't know if I've ever told the, the strawberry shortcake story. Have I told the strawberry shortcake story? I told that story. I can tell it again. So for the first, like, ten years of my marriage, every time I would make strawberry shortcake, uh, my husband would argue with me that I wasn't making it the right way. He said, you have to make shortcake, strawberries, whipped cream, shortcake, strawberries, whipped cream. And I said, no, it's shortcake, strawberry, shortcake, strawberries, whipped cream. And we would get into these big arguments about it. Yes, I'm an idiot. I, 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 I don't anyway, we'd get these big arguments about it, and after ten years, it was actually even here, um, and I was in the kitchen, and all of a sudden he yelled at me and he said, But that's the way my mother made it! And I said, Why didn't you just tell me that you liked it that way? Instead of arguing what's the right way and what's the wrong way. I mean, I'm kind of a stubborn idiot as well, so I just. So, you know, but once it, once it was clear we weren't talking about what's the right rules, but how do you please somebody? I mean, that also taught me that however we're trained, we tend to think that's the way it has to be done. And you find that kind of argument over rules also. Somebody will be in a temple or in, a, you know, in some kind of association where everybody does something a particular way. And then they think that's the right way and everybody has to do it the right way. Uh, but thinking like that is not understanding what bhakti is. It's really thinking that bhakti is some kind of karma conduct. You know, that if I, like with King Riga, where he messes up and then he has to become a lizard. 
because you know these yagyas. When you say the yagya wrong, and the child is a girl instead of a boy, you know you say the yagya wrong, and you get somebody who Indra kills instead of somebody who kills Indra. And people think bhakti's like that. I was just reading again how when Prabhupada was trying to teach uh, Jayananda the Gayatri mantras and kept trying to help Jayananda to pronounce the Sanskrit properly and then finally says, oh, you're hopeless. He said, but that's all right. Krishna accepts only devotion. Right? I mean, that's one of the explanations Rupa Goswami gives for dependable that the demons know I can depend on Krishna because if I follow the rules he won't, he won't kill me he won't hurt me and the demigods know we can depend on Krishna to kill the demons so they can sleep outside at night and the devotees know even if somehow I haven't done everything properly Krishna is dependent on love and devotion now that doesn't mean we should intentionally not do anything properly because that's not love and devotion either we don't see that. We don't see Nandamar saying, oh, who cares about Ekadasin and Duma, you know. These are all just rules. I just love Krishna spontaneously anyway. What do we need to do this for? I mean, he's also doing it to set an example, Yadyadatarji Srestas, but that's not his main mood. His main mood is, Krishna really likes it if I do this. All right, and then we have Indra and Varuna. So Indra and Varuna are in the category I thought really interesting that Sanatana Goswami was equating this, talks about Indra and talks about Varuna. They want to use Krishna. I mean, all materialistic people want to use Krishna. But the demigods, at least they're, they're trying to work with Krishna. I mean, we have relationships like that. Just like we hire people. We're hiring people to work here at the temple and do this construction work. We're using them. We're using them, we're paying them. They're using us, yes? It's, it's a business exchange. They're not necessarily coming here because they love us. I mean, not that you can't pay devotees also, but even if you have to pay devotees, they're still doing it because they want to do some service for Krishna, isn't it? They're not doing it for they may need the money or they may need the room or something, but they're doing it because they want to help the mission. But we allow business exchange with people and we can still be friendly with them and we can still like them. And there's some, there may even be some level of relationship beyond the business exchange. You know, you have somebody that works for you over a long period of time, isn't it? Right? Like we have this uh, Jorge who does a lot of the, he's doing the gardening stuff at the school. He comes and does a lot of things all the time. We're friendly with him, he and his crew are friendly with us, and we can give him some prasadam and so forth. So Krishna has workers. <laughs> he has workers, and they're following the rules so they can have their job. They're worshiping Krishna so they can have a job. You know, they're applying for a job in the universal company. But the problem is sometimes they become proud, and sometimes they forget that Krishna is the boss. Because their, their mood isn't, I'm serving Krishna just because I love Krishna, and just to make Krishna smile. That's not their mood. Their mood is, I'm serving Krishna to get something for myself. And so it's, it's easy for them to fall into this mentality of, 
you know, what about the rules? That's we find this both with Indra and Varuna, isn't it? Varuna, Varuna's mood here was, hey, Nanda, you didn't follow the rules properly. And that was Indra's mood with the residents of Vrindavan. Hey, you didn't follow the rules properly. This yagya was for me. You have to follow the rules properly. They thought they were supreme to the person that they worked for. And sometimes we see this mentality even in our Vaishnava Sanghas, yes? Where a person becomes proud of their, their learning, they're proud that they can, you know, give class in Sanskrit, or they're proud that they've memorized this and that scripture, or whatever, or they're proud of all their tapasya. And then they harass devotees. Right. Well, you're not doing this exact thing properly. There's this obscure verse in this obscure shastra that says that you should be doing this and this, and you're not. And therefore, you can be punished. Because I am the big, we see this. So the, the Bhagavatam is showing us these different moods. The Bhagavatam is showing us someone like Nanda Maharaj. The Bhagavatam is showing those who are just, uh, they're following pure devotional service, but not yet with the mood of just pleasing Krishna. And it's showing that those even who are serving Krishna, but with other motives, end up being embarrassed. Just, they just end up being humiliated. They end up being put back in their place. So if we're going to look at this and look at our, our own motives, I mean, the problem I find if I look at my own motives, then I, I'm not very enlightened. You know, if I ask Krishna, please show me my motives, and he shows me my motives, they're, they're really like awful stuff. And then we have to pray, you know, please remove this. We had this Nasinga Yagya the other day. And the, at the end, Adichin Narayan asked me to speak on this verse from, from the fifth canto of the prayers of the residents of Jambutri. That please, Nasinga Day, if you have lightning nails, lightning teeth, please remove these material desires. Right, that's what Prahlad Maharaj asked for. He said, please liberate my father and please remove these other desires, that, these things that are blocks between me and you. It, this is in any relationship. If I want to have a relationship with somebody, even in this world, then I want to remove the things that are blocking that relationship, isn't it? If I have some bad habit or I have some, some bad mentality. I was talking to someone the other day. He said, look, Ramila, you know, when, when you say that, it hurts me. Please, don't hurt me by saying that. And then I have to say, oh, I, I don't want to hurt you. But acknowledging that on some level I did want to hurt them or I wouldn't have said that. Does that make sense to everyone? Because it's not just a question of stopping the behavior. It's not just like, well, this is what I said in these words, and so I'm going to memorize those words and make sure I don't say those words again. It's looking under it and seeing, you know, why would I say something that would hurt someone with whom I want to have a relationship? What was motivating me? Which is it's usually, you know, attachment, fear, and anger. And how can I look at that? And how can I, how can I change? So that's what we're supposed to do in bhakti. And we do this in bhakti to a large extent by studying about people like Nandamaraj. When we're reading these verses, it's not just like we're reading some book. 
about some person who lived here thousands of years ago. We're actually associating with Nandi Marsh if we choose to. I mean, that's true even in ordinary books, even in a fiction book. You read the fiction book and you feel the emotions of the fictional character, isn't it? So we can do that. We can study these pastimes so we can repeat the pastimes or we can pass an exam or something like that. Or we can read so we can try to imbibe some of this emotion and this motive of Nandamaraj and be inspired by his mentality so that we can also change our own heart. Thank you very much. Sorry, it's a little hard without being able to see the clock. <laughs> Ashilakomba Kijai Nandamaraj Kijai Shema Bhagavad